If you've ever been to a funeral and you've been talking with those around, the families and friends, you start to hear stories maybe you'd, you'd never heard about somebody's past, about the things they'd done years ago. Now, I've noticed something when I've gone to funerals. See, when it's been for people who I'd only known later in life. Well, there might be stories I, I hadn't heard before. People rarely change drastically at the end of their life. Rather, they die the way that they lived. The, the kind of person they were from the beginning is usually the kind of person they'll be at the end. So this is important for us to know as Christians because we need to know who we are. We need to be reminded that we are the baptized, we are the redeemed, we are the sanctified and set apart. You see, if you live a life, if you see somebody who's living a life of compassion, of mercy, of forgiveness and grace, normally it's because they have experienced God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. And that's what they cling to as their hope now and on the last day when everything else is taken away. They rest in God's grace. Now, as you heard today's gospel lesson, you might have felt a little uncomfortable because Jesus starts talking about the Ten Commandments and what it looks like to complete them perfectly, what it looks like and the high standards they have. But you see, before we get into the commandments, I want you to realize something. You cannot justify yourself by performing them perfectly. Why? Because as Paul says, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've already broken the commandments, so we don't save ourselves. Rather, we rest in what Jesus has already done for us. That is our hope. That's what we cling to. And I want you to keep that in mind as you hear the rest of this message. See, we're, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at that text the last three weeks. And so two weeks ago, we started by hearing the Beatitudes as Jesus speaks the blessings over the disciples. Now remember, these blessings and these conditions that he speaks of were not something the disciples had to attain. They didn't have to become the poor in spirit. Rather, he's saying they're blessed right where they are. See, as, as God's disciples, as Jesus' disciples, we're not blessed because of how good we are, how worthy we are, or what we've done but because of who God is and the blessings he richly and freely pours out on us. And then last week, we looked at Jesus talking about how as those who are blessed, we're called to be a blessing to the world as salt and light. We're called to bless those around us. Now today, Jesus begins to describe what it looks like in generic terms to be salt and light in the world. And you might notice something. If you're his disciple, you're going to look a little different than the world around you. As his disciples today, you and I, we're not going to simply accept the status quo of what culture says is acceptable when it's not in line with God's word. See, rather, we're called to hold fast to his word. As we went through today's text, you might have heard a phrase, and, and next week you'll hear it again as Jesus continues to talk about the commandments. He begins by saying, you have heard it was said. You have heard that it was said. 
and he begins to describe what his contemporary culture said about the commandments, what the Jewish religious leaders said about these commandments. And and what they often did was they interpreted them with self-serving motives. They made it so everything was permissible and with an air of tolerance. They diminished what the law was actually saying. They constantly removed the force and the effect the commandments should have on our lives to call us to something better. Instead, they lowered the standard. And the reality is that we do the same things today. We do it in a number of ways. See, when we start to say that our anger-filled emotional outbursts aren't a problem of self-control, but are just an expression of our passion, we're making excuses. When we start to say that that watching pornography or movies like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey or Fifty Shades Darker or watching these TV shows that continuously objectify people and we say it doesn't hurt anyone, we're lying and we're making excuses. When we begin to say and have our culture say that divorce doesn't really matter, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's okay and it doesn't hurt anyone, we're lying. And when we begin to make excuses for our lies and our exaggerations because, well, everybody else does it, all we're doing is dismissing the law. We're making excuses for why we shouldn't have to follow what the commandments say or what Jesus has said the standard for Christian life looks like. You see, all we want to do is, is weasel our way out of thinking that, that we're not as righteous as we'd like to be. Instead, we just lower and dismiss the standards of the law. But again, before I continue, realize that, that this isn't a standard that you need to achieve. But it doesn't mean that we can dismiss these words out of hand. And as we look at today's text, I think each and every one of us, myself included, should feel a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy, maybe have that, that feeling in the pit of our stomach as we think about what we watch and listen to, what we've said and what we've done we suddenly realize that that we've all fallen short. So we hear Jesus' words, and he begins to talk about, you shall not commit murder. He talks about anger. See, murder is more than just literally killing somebody. Rather, he says that when we use our words hastily in anger, we've broken this commandment. When we type forcefully on the keys as we dismiss and diminish people across the internet, We have broken this commandment. I have no doubt that if Jesus were here today, he would say something along the lines on his exposition of this commandment that those who insult others on the internet or in text messages will be liable to judgment. And those who continue to to post angry and hasty rebukes on the internet without thought of somebody else will be held accountable for their words. It, It is true that Jesus uses hyperbole in his sermon. But his point is clear. Our words matter. See, committing murder in terms of how we as Christians understand the Ten Commandments is more than just the end result. But rather, whenever we speak words or do actions with the intent to harm someone, regardless of the outcome, we have broken this commandment. We've fallen short. So what about the next commandment? Jesus begins to talk about adultery with respect to lust and divorce. Lust and divorce. And, you know, we live in a sex-saturated culture. 
You see it everywhere you look. It's, it's in our advertisements, in our movies, on our TV shows, even in our music. It's hard to avoid and, and they continuously invite us to give in to lust and think that it's not that big of a deal. To treat people as an object instead of seeing the person that God created them to be in his own image with dignity and character. We start to fall short. And then we have our culture that says if, if you're not happy with your spouse or your partner, if they're not making you fulfilled, if, they're, if you're not getting the, the perfect happily ever after you thought would, it's time to send them aside. It's time to dismiss them because you deserve everything you want and they should cater to your needs. See, that's very much the same thing that the people in Jesus' Jesus's day were doing with the certificate of divorce. They were saying, you know, they're not making me happy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast them off. And Jesus looks at them and says, this isn't okay. This isn't the way that you're called to live. So you're taking the promises you've made too lightly. But more importantly, you're taking what marriage is really all about too lightly. Because marriage points back to the faithfulness of God to his people. See, marriage is supposed to be a sign of God's faithfulness to his church. That even when it hurt, even when it came at a cost, he was willing to come and lay down his life for us. Marriage is about self-sacrifice. If, if both people aren't willing to sacrifice for the other, then the marriage will never last. And we're able to do that because we know what God has done for us. But now, before I continue, let me be clear. If you've had a divorce, know that God loves you and that God forgives you if you seek his forgiveness. But that doesn't mean that divorce isn't a sin. Even though there are reasons why it's permissible according to scripture, it doesn't mean that it doesn't break God's heart to see the way that sin ravages our relationships and tears us apart. It, it breaks God's heart. God calls us to live a life of faithfulness. But if you're struggling with divorce, know that there is forgiveness for you. You can be redeemed. You are redeemed by what he has done. But what about the last commandment Jesus talks about in today's lesson? That you shall not swear falsely. Man, in today's day, it's, it's, as Christians, it's hard because we, we see our culture that doesn't seem to care much about words. One of my favorite comedians coined a term that has now become a, a real word in Webster's Dictionary, truthiness, which means that whatever I feel in my gut is true regardless of what the actual facts are, regardless of what truth is. And then we have politicians and, and people in our society, news anchors, who start dismissing facts and ignoring the truth and continue to give in and say that whatever I say is true is true regardless of what we can actually prove. Our culture tells us that, that our words don't matter and that if we say something that later we regret, we can just deny we said it and ignore or change the meaning of our words because they don't really matter in the end at all. But that's not what Jesus says. He says that when you speak, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That let your word be your bond. Mean what you say. When you and I as, as those kinds of people live out in our culture. We will be people of character and integrity. We'll be that salt and light that Jesus describes that points back to his glory because when we're honest, when it comes at a cost to us, it doesn't glorify us. It glorifies him. And so we stick to the, the truth of the word. 
But before we continue, let me, let me get back to the point at the beginning of the sermon. See, you cannot attain righteousness by doing all these things perfectly. You just can't do it. If these were a, a set of standards to attain, to become a disciple, we'd all be in big trouble because we all fall utterly short. Rather, the way we're made into a disciple is by what Jesus has done, by his righteousness, by his life. We cling to his promises and to what he has done for us. But this doesn't mean that we get to just dismiss his words out of hand when they're inconvenient and culture says they're not popular. It doesn't mean that, that when it's hard to be faithful to his word that we just give up and shrug our shoulders and say, well, whatever, we've got forgiveness anyways. Rather, we, we stick and try and cling to his word. But what Jesus is saying is that as we hear these words, as we grow in him, this is a description of the kind of people we're going to become. We're going to look very different from the world around us. This is all about who you are becoming. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, who you as his disciples are being made into by the power of the Holy Spirit. Since you came to the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit has been at work in your life, changing you, conforming you into Jesus' image. And I don't mean that you're going to look like him with a beard and hair, but you're being conformed to his character. You're being made into the kind of person he is. We're being formed into the kind of disciples that Jesus looks like. And what that means is that we'll start to turn off the TV when it doesn't reflect our values. We'll start to be committed to trying to mend relationships instead of walking away and quitting when it's easy. We'll hold to our word even when it hurts. We'll hold back when there's anger and seek to be reconciled. See, as Christians, we should be the kind of people who, when our culture has a 50% divorce rate, have marriages that are lasting 50-plus years because we know what it's about. We know that it's about putting the needs of the other first. We know what it looks like to see sacrifice and self-service because we have experienced it in Christ. And so we hold fast knowing that Jesus is the center of our relationship and who we are. See, we're going to be the kind of people who, when it's inconvenient and when it comes at a cost, we hold firm in our word because that's what Jesus tells us to do. In the next chapter, later on in this, this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if the eye, of the, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is sound, your whole body will be healthy. See, as God's people, who have come to the waters of baptism, who are being remade by the Holy Spirit. We are being given a new heart. We're being given new eyes by his power, by his work in us, so that we start to realize that the things we watch and listen to, what we say and do, actually matters. Because it begins to shape who we are, and it is a testimony to others about who our God is. As we begin to live different lives. You see, you should know better. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are better than simply giving in to whatever culture says is okay. You're better than that. See, as Jesus says in the end of this chapter, you, shall therefore, you therefore shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you might be thinking to yourself, Pastor, you must, you must be looking at the wrong crowd or in the wrong mirror because you're not perfect. And I fall into the same sins each and every week. I keep on 
giving in to looking in lust when I know I shouldn't. I keep on breaking my promises when I fully intend to keep them. I keep struggling with anger because I, I get frustrated and I lash out because they, they bait me and I can't resist. If you let those things define you, if you let your actions define you, then you're being defined by a false God. You're letting yourself be shaped by a false statement of who you really are and what really matters most. But before you, you go trying to to maybe change your behavior. When you, you hear the words in the Sermon on the Mount and you think, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna live that out perfectly. I'm gonna live righteously from now on. Realize that if you do that, all you're doing is, is substituting your worship of lust or of control or of power for worship of your own works. Another false god. See, the way we change is not by working hard at it ourselves, but by learning to accept who we truly are as God's baptized and redeemed children, washed in the blood of the Lamb, pure and sinless. See, Jesus, when he says, you therefore shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, he is declaring what you already are and what you are being made into. This Sermon on the Mount isn't a list of, of self-help, of trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps to make yourself into a disciple. It's a description of who you're being made into by God's power. See, God is saying that who you, this is who you are. He is making you into what he is. Perfect, holy, righteous, sanctified, set apart, washed, pure in the blood of the Lamb without any spot or stain. See, no matter, no matter what you're struggling with, whether or not your struggle is with anger or lust, with a past divorce, or with failing to keep your promises, or any of the other commandments, you need to know that the truest thing about you as a baptized child of God is that you are his. You are his. You are forgiven. You are claimed. You are pure and holy, set apart by his work. Amen.